Brother Dardar is all the way from a little town called Homa, Louisiana. Now, if you've ever watched the show Swamp People, that's, that's one of the places. And that's some of his cousins. So we have a real Cajun today. Uh, it's going to bless us right here in Texas. And uh, we're so honored. I want you to give the big Lord's house welcome to Brother Jake and Dardar. <laughs> Take your liberty. Amen. Yes, Let sir. the Lord be blessed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be here from Homa, Louisiana. And um, God is good. He's He's God in Louisiana, just like He's God in Texas. He's God in Canada. He's God in India. He's just a good God. Um, and we're happy to be here with you, uh, Cindy. If you would stand, let everybody see who you are. It's my wife, Cindy. I, I think she's more Cajun than I am. Her, her grandfather was from uh, Fred, Fredericton, New Brunswick, <laughs> uh, near Nova Scotia, Canada. And um, her maiden name was Landry, same as Troy Landry. So let me tell you something. You're looking at one little French Indian that runs and hides when my wife starts screaming, Shoot him! Shoot him! She, she's one of those Landry's. <laughs> they believe in shooting. <laughs> and uh, we, come from, we come from that region of the world where, where uh, that fellow by the name of Boudreaux lives. And Thibodeau, his sidekick. Somebody asked me one time, what's that Boudreaux and Thibodeau? I said, well, do you, have you ever heard of Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> and uh, I hope there's no Boudreaux's or Thibodeau's in here. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Boudreaux and Thibodeau is like Dumb and Dumber on steroids. Boudreaux was coming home from uh, coming home one day and he had a sack on his back and he ran into Thibodeau. Thibodeau said, Boudreaux, he said, man, he said, uh, what you got in that sack? Boudreaux said, Tib, he said, I, I got some chicken in that sack. And Thibodeau said, oh, Boudreaux, he said, let's make a deal. If I can guess how many chicken you have in that sack, you're going to give me one? Boudreaux said, Tip, if you can guess how many chicken I have in this sack, I'll give you both of them. <laughs> Thibodeau said, Tree? Uh, we love the bayou, and we love crawfish. We love those blue crabs. One day, Boudreaux went into the fish market and he said, Look, he said, I want. 500-pound crawfish, 300-pound crab. He said, big celebration. The clerk said, oh, man, what? It's your birthday? Boudreaux said, no, no, it's not my birthday. The clerk said, well, it's your anniversary? Boudreaux said, no, it's not my anniversary. The clerk said, well, what's the reason for the big celebration? Oh, he said, because I, Boudreaux, put that jigsaw puzzle together 45 days. The guy said, and that's the reason for celebration? Buddha said, yeah. The box say two to five years. (laughs) 
The next, the next morning, his wife got up and Boudreaux's at the breakfast table. Got pieces scattered all over the table. His wife says, Boudreaux, what are you doing? Boudreaux said, it's supposed to be the face of a tiger. His wife said, Boudreaux, put the frosted flakes back in the box. <laughs> Bye, you country. That's where that comes from. <laughs> By you country. Uh, it is, it is uh, great to be here with you today. And um, Cindy and I have been traveling now for 20 years. We pastored for 26 and a half years. I was preaching four or five years before that. It's not like, uh, well, we almost started yesterday. <laughs> uh, this year, uh, I'm celebrating 50 years of preaching ministry. But we did, our, we did our time. We did some time as pastors, 26 and a half years. But tw- uh, November of 2000, um, we, um, God lifted that mantle from us. Uh, he, had already, he had forewarned me that it was time for the dreams that he had given me when I was only 12 years old to come to pass. And I knew that meant other nations. I knew it meant a lot of traveling. And within um, 18 months, he lifted. Hey, I, I'll tell you the way that he did it to me. He took my, my shield and my sword so that I couldn't defend his sheep. That was strange. It sounded strange when I spoke to one of my elders about that. He said, I've never heard anything like that before. I said, well, it makes perfect sense to me. I cannot defend these sheep, which means... God has called for someone else to defend, and I have to get out of the way. It made sense to me. And, uh, and God began to speak to me of things that he would do. And so I just listened. When I, when I let Cindy know that we would be resigning our church, she said, well, now she's heard me counsel young ministers before. And I said, look, if you want to go into full-time evangelism, don't quit your job yet. Start booking six months ahead of just start booking six months away and book week by week by week. And then six months from now, you quit your job. You still have a job. <laughs> she said, so we, you've got some places lined up? I said, no. <laughs> no places lined up. She said, are we going to go to another church? I said, no. You know, we passed at four different churches. So this wasn't our first time that God told us to resign. I said, no, this, it's not another church. What are we going to do? said, we're going to travel. God said, it's time for the dreams he gave me to come true. We will travel. So you've got places to go. No, I don't have places to go. Preach our last service. Actually, let me, let me tell you how God works. How many of you know God is real? How many of you know God's business is real? The house of God is a real house. I, uh, I told my advisors <clears throat> on the day, the last day that we preached... I said, this afternoon, I don't know, Pastor, you, you might be able to make sense of this. It just came out of my mouth. I said, this afternoon at 3 o'clock, a burden, the burden of this church is going to leave my shoulders. And will rest on you until God gives you your next shepherd. It was just talk. I could have been sipping coffee. As this said, natural it was. And uh, we preached our last service and went home. About 3 o'clock that afternoon, 
my personal secretary, who is the wife of one of my advisors, was sitting on her couch. She was doing some little crochet work. My advisor, he had the easy chair in the absolute level position. <laughs> and he was just snored away. Suddenly, he folded and sat straight up. His wife says, what's wrong? He says, I feel like the whole world just fell on me. She looked at the wall. Three o'clock on the dot. That's just the way God, that's just the way God works. But God was saying, there is a burden that the shepherd carries and it must be shouldered. I got home right after lunch. I got a phone call and um, it was a good friend of mine, lives about 40 minutes away. He said, man, you've been on my heart all morning long. I've been praying for you. What's, what's going on? I said, well, I just preached my last service here. There's What? You, you resigned? I said, yes, I did. I resigned. It's, it's time for us to move on. Well, that means you, you're not preaching tonight. I said, yeah, that's what that means. He said, oh, no, you're preaching tonight. You're coming to preach at my church. And we preached for him that night, and our schedule feels solid. I want to say that <clears throat> Christmas was on a Sunday that year. I'm, I'm thinking, or it was very close, because we decided not to preach on that weekend because we wanted to hear our oldest son preach instead. Otherwise, we were booked solid right through the holidays. And it's been 20 years now. Almost 20 years now. You do what God called you to do. Because his, his tool shed has everything you need to get what you got to do done. Hallelujah. It's been an excellent experience. We cannot wait for the next day. When we used to cringe at driving three hours to go back home to visit mom and dad. Now when there's, we've driven 34 hours nonstop and love it. Ain't that something? There's a grace for that. There's a grace for whatever it is that God's called you to do. You will make it if you don't give up. Because God has equipped you to do what he's called you to do. I want to, I want to talk to you this morning about about the anointing, but more of it in a very personal way, in, a, in an, an everyday kind of way. You know, when I say everyday, I mean so many things that we take for granted. You know, if somebody grabbed you by the head right now and covered your nose and your mouth, you would realize how important oxygen is. Otherwise, you never think about it all day long. We take it for granted that we inhale and we exhale and we live. So, you know, we have that tendency. Well, we have that tendency with the anointing as well. We have that tendency with the way that God works. With all of the blessings that we inhale and exhale day in and day out. And eventually, you know, it's just not intentionally, but taken for granted. So I want to I, I I talk about... The anointing in that respect today. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1. The scripture says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me. Now the word anointed there means to smear, to rub into, to influence change. 
to affect substance. uh, This is a prophecy concerning Christ. And Christ quotes this very passage in the New Testament. I want to to say the book of Matthew uh, in two or three of the Gospels. He quotes this verse and he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because God has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, to deliver the captive. Because the Lord God has anointed me. And he said to to those around him, and he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in in your ears. Now, the anointed to smear, to rub into. My best example of this or illustration of this is uh, good old Tennessee barbecue. How about good old Texas barbecue? Probably the same process. The the pit master has his own blend of seasonings that he's going to rub into. Those ribs or that brisket. And they just rub them in. They let it set for a while and then then they rub it in some more. They just keep bathing this meat with with this mountain of seasoning. Rubbing it in, rubbing it in, rubbing it in. Then they put it on the pit. And they do the pit thing to them. And they, they cook it and they cook it and they cook it until they know it's done. And when you smell it, when you smell that brisket, smell those seasonings. When you take it, that your cooking fork and you jab that brisket, all of that seasoning oozes out of that brisket. When you bite it, all you taste is that wonderful seasoning. They come from everywhere to be to, to, to carry the title for the next year. Pit, uh, pit boss, pit master, whichever it, it is. They, you get a trophy because your seasonings did it better than all other seasonings. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because God has anointed me. God has rubbed himself into me. Smeared me with his presence. He has pressed himself into me. I never thought of this before, but today I'm thinking about it. Maybe that's why one day God's going to look at his child when his child stands for final judgment and say, Well done! (laughs) Hallelujah! Now, that puts the gears in my little head turning, and this is how I think. <laughs> what if that when you came through the doors of the house of God, that the Holy Ghost would pressurize you with a truth serum? Let's talk about churches around the globe. Let's talk about let's talk about Christianity around the globe. That every time we would come into the house of God, the Holy Ghost would pressurize us with a truth serum and then God would initiate a testimony service. 
the average Christian would stand up and say, remember, they're under the influence of truth. The average Christian would have to stand up and say, the spirit of the world is upon me. Because the world has anointed me. I just spoke reality. Um, There are 168 hours in a week. If If you're a healthy person, you'll spend almost 60 of those hours sleeping. If you're a good Christian, you'll spend two and a half of those hours in church. Leaving a hundred and five and a half hours of world influence in your life, your job, the other stuff you do at home, stuff you do in the shopping center, all of those things. Every word coming in, every view getting in, every sense penetrating you. 105 hours of world influence in your life against two and a half hours of God. You don't have to wonder why we don't see more. Of the power of God alive. (laughs) I just gave you the answer. Why aren't aren't people as spiritual as it? I just gave you the answer. Why why do church people act just like people in a... I gave you the answer. What I'm telling you is that we've got to find more time than two and a half hours of church time to spend with God. We have to. We've got to give God time to rub Himself, to smear Himself into us. Because I promise you, you're in a furnace. God expects that when the devil gets close to you and starts sniffing around, all he will smell is the anointing of Almighty God in your life. And if he takes that pitchfork of his and pokes you, all that's going to come out, all that's going to ooze out of you, is nothing but the anointing of Almighty God. And if he makes the mistake of biting you, come on. (laughs) How How about some of that? The Spirit of the Lord God is... Upon me. We need to allow God to rub Himself into us. I'm talking to you today about realizing God's mission. How many of you know God's on a mission? How many of you know every single one of us? Every one of us are on a mission. I'm not on a mission. I'm a welder. You're on a mission. You were gifted by God. You are doing what you do to keep society the way it is, to keep your home the way it is, your family is. You are. You know what? You know how anointed Adam was. Folks hardly ever think about 
Adam's anointing. And you know what? You know what his ministry was? Take care of this garden. Now, he wasn't a prophet walking around. (laughs) If he prophesied, it was to the plants and to the animals. Yeah. Take care of this garden. Intending to God's garden, Adam utilized the anointing upon his life. We're all here on a mission. And then I like to get a little more specific. Your pastors are here on a mission. Pastor made a phone call several weeks ago, which brings Cindy and I here on a mission. God is doing something. Time is not just spending by. God is doing something. In realizing God's mission, I'm talking about allowing God's mission to become real. Recognizing the anointing. Realizing God's mission is all about becoming aware of our spiritual senses. How many of you know we have spiritual senses? We have natural senses. We have spiritual senses. We have the sense in the spirit to see God. We have the sense in the spirit to hear God. We have the sense in the spirit to taste God. To feel God. To smell God. Yes, we do. And we must become spiritually sensitive so that we can tell when he's here. Um, I'm I'm speaking very um, specific, I guess, because once you start sensing the presence of God, you'll start sensing some other presences too. You'll become aware of a lot more than just God. And that's good. We need to be fully equipped. In the book of Joshua, chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said to him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. I like this verse 14 in the Amplified Version. Because the question is, are you with us or are you with them? And he said, neither. That's odd. He's the angel of the Lord. But his answer is, Neither. Mm. Meaning, I'm not here for you. I'm not here for them. I'm here to do what God sent me to do. Has nothing to do with you. Has nothing to do with them. The overall picture is, you'll be happy that I'm here, but I'm not here for you. 
you'll, you'll really love the turnout here. But I didn't come for you. I'm on a mission that God sent me to do. And I'm going to do it. See, because I promise you, six months later, that angel wasn't saying to God, Hey, you know that Joshua fellow, the one that came and questioned me, you know, remember that morning you sent me to that guy? I kind of miss him. Not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. That angel did not come to make friends with Joshua or to become buddy buddies or whatever. He came because he was on a mission and he came to do what God sent him to do. On the contrary of that, you have us. You have pastor. You have fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Premier to that, you have Jesus. Who came not only to do the will of his father, but to become our brother. To become our confidant. To take our burdens. To become our friend. To live with us. To relationship with us. Angels don't do that. Angels get the job done and they're gone. They don't leave a flower. They don't bring a gift. They don't, they don't want you. They don't, they want, you know, they want to, they don't want to friend you on Facebook. They don't, they don't. And I'm going to follow you on Twitter. They're just, they're on a mission. Well, listen, what the spirit of God was telling me is Jake and Dardar, do your mission. We're all obligated to. Fulfill our calling and to perform our mission. The ride is fantastic. The experience you never forget. Fivefold ministry is here not only to work the works of the Lord. But to partner with you in the success of the Lord. The success of the kingdom of God. It's all about doing what the kingdom was designed to do. I have to say something here. And this is, uh, if you ask me, this is paramount to success in the kingdom of God. You have fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists. The one you know best is pastor. Then you have teachers. The, the, the only way to unlock the benefit of fivefold ministry is to honor it. Just, just understanding you have a pastor doesn't really get the job done. It's the beginning. Because to, to most Christians, having a pastor means we don't have to worry about having to sit in the pews and twiddle our thumbs. And there's somebody up there is going to have a message. Somebody up there is going to have a format. Somebody's going to design the service. And so, you know, and so we can come and participate. I've heard it from every, listen, I've sat, <clears throat> I've sat on presbytery teams over to, uh, you know, presiding over 250 plus churches. We hear the complaints constantly. Okay, I, I mean, I did that. I, I still counsel, but I, I'm not on those boards anymore, but I was. I'm not getting fed. <laughs> you ever heard that one? I'm just not getting fed. So what's wrong with your mouth? What's wrong with your teeth? I mean, you lost some teeth or something? What, what's, what's your problem? 
I'm just saying. We've heard about all of it. We've heard this, we've heard this, this, this. You have to absorb your pastor into your spirit. You have to know in your heart of hearts, there is a watchman over your foal. See, see, he can't vacation out of this. Your pastor can't go to Hawaii and, and cease to be your pastor. He's in Hawaii, soaking in the sun. And that devil is sitting outside of your house. And, and he's afraid to come in because for some reason he doesn't know pastors in Hawaii. All he knows is that you have a shepherd. And if he goes in there, something bad's going to happen to him. So he doesn't go in. People don't realize that. They say, oh, we pay you to go to the hospital. We pay you to, we pay to you marry and bury. And, uh, and, and then you take all of those, um, all of those empty degrees that you have in finance and you tell us how to manage our money. <laughs> all of that other stuff. No, 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 no. Listen, uh, you, you might be able to put a price tag on that, but you can't put a price tag on the presence of a shepherd even when you're sleeping. You can't put the price tag on, 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 a, on, on the cost of a shepherd that keeps the devil out of your kid's house, out of your house, out of your life. You can't. There's not enough money on this planet to pay for the shepherd that authorizes that. I, he said it today, I will rebuke the devourer. Why? Because the shepherd said, bring your tithe and you brought your tithe. For that, God puts a block on the wolf. Mission. But we have to take it in. So what I'm saying is this, is that your pastor might be a really good friend to you. But he's never just your buddy. He can never stop from being your shepherd, your pastor. He can't, ne- he can't never just be, hey, Sam. <laughs> no, 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 no. In your heart of hearts, he is your shepherd. He is your pastor. He's the one that the wolf is afraid of. He's the one that keeps the wolf at bay. Just his shadow. will keep the wolf outside. Uh, and that's good. And that's just the pastor. Well, we have fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We have five of them. Five offices. That when you honor those offices and, and you start looking to draw from the anointings of those offices, by honor. All these benefits of fivefold ministry are poured out to you. I'll say like a friend of mine. That, that's some good stuff right there. I think I'm going to buy the CD. The anointing is something that is real. It is something that is very functional. There are there are uh, there are several ways of of um, of seeing, describing, and understanding the anointing. Uh, the anointing uh, <clears throat> that I'm speaking of today is is more of a sense of the glory of God present with power. Anointing also means that you're called. 
it means the presence of God. It means a power of God. And it represents a calling from God. You were anointed to preach. Called and sent to preach. And anointed. Uh, my message this morning wants to bring a, a, a reality to that presence of God. With sensation. We were... We were called into Canada, went into Canada, and um, had a three-week tour set up. <clears throat> got halfway into the tour and um, got a phone call from one of the pastors we were coming to <clears throat> telling me that he just wouldn't be able to, to have us. Canceling our meeting, he said, unbeknownst to me, there's a camp meeting on, the, on such and such a lake and... Just about the entire church are flying out, whatever, going out to that camp meeting. And so I just, I just can't, we just, please excuse me, but we'll have to back out of our schedule. I said, okay, well, I still had three days before I had to be there. So I called the apostle that kind of got us into Canada in the first place. I said, do you know anyone in Thunder Bay? Just got canceled. There's a camp meeting going on and... His church just emptied. He just can't do it. Well, he said, give me, a, give me a couple hours. Let me see if I can find somebody. So, <clears throat> it's possible he made a phone call. And um, this was about eight, 8 o'clock in the morning. The phone rang and rang. No answer. So, he called me back. He said, look, <clears throat> I, tried, I tried the phone call. It didn't work, but I'm going to try again a little bit later. And I'll let you know. I'm talking about, number one, realizing God has a mission. And there was a mission in process. It doesn't matter what God's doing if you're not open to what He's doing. So we have to be open to God's mission. How many believe God is doing something right here in this house right now? See... Amen. Hallelujah. That feels good. That feels good. We just need to be open to what he's doing. Well, he called again. I found out this after the fact. He called again. Let it ring and ring and ring. This time, the pastor picked up the phone. Lady by the name of Sarah Waboos. Sweet lady. And uh, she says, Hello. And uh, our guy, uh, the apostle that I'm talking about, was <clears throat> his name was Joey Gilbert. He's going to be with the Lord now. She said, Pastor Joey, I'm sorry. She said, you know, I pray from 7 till 9 every morning. And I have a rule. I do not answer the phone between 7 and 9. And it wasn't 9, even at this moment. She said, but... Said the first time, she said, if that was you a while ago, that's why I didn't answer. But she said, you know, the Holy Spirit kept nudging me. Answer that phone. Answer that phone. Answer that phone. I said, this second time, you just let it ring and ring. And the Holy Ghost was saying, answer that phone. Answer that phone. So I broke my rule. You hear me? I broke my rule. And answered the phone. He said, well... I've got a couple 
in Winnipeg about to drive your way. They were canceled. They were scheduled to be in Thunder Bay in your city. They were canceled. And they're coming through was wondering if uh, you could use them. She said, oh, Pastor Joey, Pastor Joey. All morning I've been praying, God, send us a minister. Send us a... We need a revival. We need a ministry. We need ministry, God. Send us a minister. And he said, well, I've been trying to call you. (laughs) She was open. And ready to receive a messenger from God. I think I need to say that again. She was open and ready to receive a messenger from God. This is so perfect because pastor called because he wanted to hear from a messenger from God. That's why we're here. That's why he called. We met, we've, we've spoken a couple of times at, at, at Kunek. Always, man, at some point we need you to come. And you know, it was a good talk. I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. But when I got that phone call, I knew this is good God stuff right here. This, this is God. I love it. It's the best way for it to happen. Because his heart was hungry to hear from the messenger from God. She's glad she broke her rule. <laughs> And answered that phone. And God answered her prayer. Next is allowing God's mission to become reality. It's like, let's, let's not talk about it any longer. How about let's see some of this stuff. How about let's, enjoy, let's experience the move and the power and the demonstration of God. Let's, let's experience the work that God's word does in our hearts. In everything that we are, let's, let's experience it. Let's make the mission real. It means adherence to God's spokesman. It means responding to the anointing. Pastor Sarah called us the second day we were there. It was a Monday morning. <clears throat> she said, can you come with me to my brother's office? I said, yes, ma'am. I said, he's having a real, real bad time. This guy was also the worship leader and kind of moderator for the church service. We got to his office, sat down. Actually, I think Sister Sarah and Cindy sat down. I was standing. And uh, it didn't take him 10 seconds to get into his problem. So he starts to, he, he's crying. He says, I know. He said, listen, my, listen. I'm about to have to close this office. I don't have the money to pay the bills. He said, and I know what's happening. He said, uh, a year ago, I came back to God. But for two years or so, I, I lived a backslidden life. I, I lived for the world. And I, I did what I wasn't supposed to do. And I said, I know this is, I know I'm paying now. And, and I'm listening to that. But the Holy Ghost is talking to me. So I'm listening to two, to two conversations at the same time. And the Holy Ghost is telling me, <clears throat> I brought you here. To hear this story. And he is telling you this story for the last time. I want you to tell him that I have heard him. And he is not to tell this story ever again. I sent you here to take this story from him. And it will never darken his lips again. 
when he got done and he was crying, I said, I know what he expected. Well, let's pray. Or come on. We're going to agree with you. No, no. That's not what I said. All right. Holy Ghost told me he sent me here to hear this story and you will tell it no more. This is the last time you will tell this story. I was sent to hear this story and take it from you. He said, okay. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about the presence of God and the Spirit of God and that kind of activity. At this point, I don't get to drink a cup of coffee. Even if he offered it to me, this is not a sipping coffee moment for me. All I can do now is turn and leave. That's the presence, and I know that's what I have to do. I have to take this, I have to turn and leave. So I turn and I leave, and he's just sitting there. Wondering, wow, that's not what I expected you to say. But he's just sitting there. And I turn and I leave, and before I got one foot from the door, the Holy Ghost tell him, the Holy Ghost said, Tell him his financial problems can be solved in one day. And I said it just that way. And your financial problems can be solved in one day. And we turned and walked out. Next morning, about nine o'clock, Sister Sarah calls us again. Oh, Brother Dardar! Oh, Brother Dardar! Brother Dardar, you won't believe it. I said, well, then maybe you don't know me. I will believe it. (laughs) She said, my brother just came home from the post office. There was a check for $25,000 in his mailbox. All he had to do was sit there and accept it. That's all he had to do. Receive what the Spirit of God had spoken to him, what the messenger brought to him from God. That's all he had to do. The suicide rate is horrible up in Canada among those reservations. That was one of the reasons why that they wanted us to come. And uh, we dealt with that issue. I said, the first, the first problem I saw is that during camp meeting, all of the adults were in the sanctuary and all the kids were out playing in the yard. And I said, look, I, I can help you with this suicide thing if, if you're willing to listen. Said, this is going to hurt. I told him, I, I know the culture. So this is going to hurt. What I have to tell you is going to hurt. But if you accept it, God can help you with this suicide thing. If you reject it, I don't know what to tell you. No, 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 tell us. I said, well, I said, one of the biggest problems is that while y'all are in here soaking in God, your kids are just playing around outside. They need to be exposed to the anointing of God. You need to get those kids out from the yards, bring them into the house of God. I waited for World War, like, 16, whatever. Next service, oh, the place was full, kids and everything. I said, these, these kids that are committing suicide have no future because they've never been exposed to an anointing of God that says, you have a future. We've got to expose them to the presence of God so that God can speak into their spirits and give them hope. They accepted it. We went from we went from a, uh, a Wednesday night to a Sunday morning in camp meeting in a tent, and that was a sad. Uh, you know, I want to say 
that camp meeting began. I announced, I, I made my declaration. They brought the kids in. Saturday afternoon, <clears throat> this same man who got the $25,000 had two daughters there, both hooked on crystal meth. On that Saturday afternoon, they came to, they came to service. Came in from, from the reservations, you know, uh, an hour flight <clears throat> to be in the Saturday. Well, actually, the oldest daughter had an appointment Sunday morning at the hospital to have vein reconstruction in her arms from using needles. Both sister, uh, two sisters accepted Jesus that Saturday afternoon. Sunday morning, we had a service. We got in there about 9.30. About 9.45, the oldest daughter walks in with her little sister. Her dad says, "Um, aren't you supposed to be at the hospital? Didn't you have an appointment for surgery this morning? She said, yes, I went. But the doctor looked at my arms and said, your arms are better than a brand new baby's arms. Get out of here. You don't need a You don't need a surgery. All he did was accept the messenger. I've always believed that God is speaking. I believe God is busy in this world. I want to know everything that he's saying. I want to be involved in everything that he's doing. Can I get a witness? This man simply sitting there in his desk chair had no clue how he would pay his bills. Had no idea tomorrow morning that person that's been holding back from you not paying their bills is going to write you a check for $25,000. Had no clue. But this was a reckoning day. This was a divine appointment because God was on a mission and he accepted it. Then there's seeing the mission accomplished. This is trusting Logos. Logos is where the word of God becomes flesh. The Logos became flesh. That's where divine activity takes place. Where the word is made flesh. This is recognizing the anointing. Did you hear me? Recognizing the anointing. You know, uh, I want to say, I've never said this before. I want to say, it's like walking out of a summer house and realizing winter winds are blowing. It's like stepping out of your house. You know, last night it was 80 degrees. You step out the next morning. Man, a front came through. Recognizing the anointing. It's where spirit touches flesh. It's where rhema becomes reality. It's where the word made flesh um, in the action of your mind. It's where you see the possibility of intervention and you act on it. That first meeting where Sister Sarah was so glad that she answered that phone. We were in the third night of the meeting, and I was preaching, and a, a, a family walked in, mom and dad and, and a son. He seemed to be about 18 years old. <clears throat> it took him forever to get to his pew because he was walking in one-inch steps. 
No one was touching him. Mom on one side, dad on the other side. One hit steps and made his way all the way down, halfway in the, in the, the building, and, and then turned right into a, a section of pews and took forever for him. And I, I just kept pre- uh, preaching. I mean, kids don't bother me. That Nothing bothered me when I'm preaching, I guess. <laughs> so I'm just preaching. When I got done, made my altar service, and the altar's filled. Start at one end, and I'm working my way across. By the time I get almost to the end, this young fellow stands up. Right in the middle of the... And he starts his getting out of the pew. And I'm praying by the time I get done, he's inching his way up to the front. His mom and dad, they're looking at they're looking at each other. What's this? What's up? When I'm done, I come to this young man, I'm standing right in front of him. I'm waiting for him to tell me what he needs. He can't talk. What am I doing? What any Holy Ghost filled, power packed, full of the Word of God preacher would do. I start praying myself. <laughs> Lord, please, you know, what do I do here? What do I do? Lord, this guy's not talking. About, what do you want me to do? The only thing I can do. I laid my hands on him and said, God, whatever it is that he needs. And he's gone. <laughs> Boom, on the floor. Immediately his mom and dad jump up and run up to see what's wrong with him. What's wrong with him? As soon as his mom reaches down to him, his eyes open up and a smile comes on his face. They sit him up. They stand him up and he whispers into his mother's ear. What, what is it? She says, he wants me to tell you, no pain. There's no more pain. There's no more. I said, well, well you'll have to explain that to me. She said, well... We sent him to the store eight months ago. When an hour and a half, it was just around the corner for bread and milk. And when an hour and a half went by and he didn't come home, we thought we'd go check on him. And we found him in a pool of blood at the bottom of the staircase of our apartments. Someone had beat him in the head and stolen the $10 that we gave him. He was in a coma for months. The doctor said he won't survive. Too much trauma to the head. But if he does survive, he won't talk. We don't know if he'll be able to see. We don't know what his hearing will be. And he will be primitive. He will have, if he talks, he'll have to learn to talk again. He'll have to learn to walk again. He'll have to learn everything because his his brain has been too traumatized. But she said, I want to thank God that he's been walking an inch at a time. To some people, that's nothing. But to us, it's a miracle. He says one or two words. They said he'd never talk. But to us, that was a miracle. He sees pretty good. To us, it's a miracle. He hears okay. To us, that's a miracle. But, but, but since he came out of that coma, you can't touch him anywhere. He hurts. He screams to get dressed and... He can't, we can't touch him. But he says, when you laid your hands on him, the pain went away. The next year, we made a stop in Thunder Bay. This time when Clint and his family got to church, he was walking 
six inches at a time. <laughs> he was talking better and his mom told me he wants to be a preacher. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm having a great time. So, so wonderful. Well, two or three years went by and we ended up in Winnipeg again coming through and I was going to stop by in Thunder Bay and visit with Clint. And I was told, well, no, they moved. They're not here anymore. Where are they? They're at Sioux Lookout. Well, Sioux Lookout is about an hour north of the highway between Winnipeg and Thunder Bay. Guess, guess what we did? I got to see Clinton. I've got to see him. So we take the turn and we go up to Sioux Lookout to see Clinton. We meet um, some folks up there. And so they take us to Clinton's house. Well, guess what? It's, one, it's uh, 1130 and the whole family is still asleep. I said, said, no, 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 let me tell you why. Because they've been in camp meeting. They drive an hour and 15 minutes north for camp meeting every night. And they pick up people. And by the time they get home and bring all of the people where they live, it's 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And so they sleep till about noon. Or so. If you'll come back about 1 o'clock, you can see Clinton. I said, okay, we'll wait till 1 o'clock. So we waited till 1 o'clock. And so I went to Clinton's house. When I got into the, um, to the living room, his mom and dad were there. We were talking. I said, well, I came to see Clinton. Well, he'll be right up. He's in the bedroom downstairs. This time, when Clinton comes into the room, it's... And then he comes to me and he stands right in front of me and he looks at me and he says, they say... I'm supposed to know you. He didn't know me. I said, Clinton, I, you don't need to know me. That's, don't worry about that. I'm not the one you need to know. And I visited with him. He showed me all of his sermon outlines that he's been preaching. He came to a picture of a heart. I turned the page. There's a picture of a kidney. Turned the page. Picture of intestines. Picture of colon. I said, he likes pictures? His mom says, no, no. He tells me to look online until I find what he's looking for. And then he gets me to print it. And since his speech is not that well... He'll take like every one of these pictures as a picture that Clinton had in his hand and came right to the person and said, that's your problem. Wow. And God would heal them. And God would heal them. I'm thinking that's far better than knowing me. His mom said, now listen, before you leave, I want you to pray for for us and for Glenn. I said, oh, I'm not leaving here without praying. We're going to pray. So I finished my visit. So I stood up and I said, let's pray. So Clinton stood up and him stand right before me. I took him by both hands. And I invited the presence of God to come into that house. And he shook and he stopped and he said, oh, it's you. He didn't know me by my face. 
But he knew me by the anointing that healed him five years before. I would love to go from city to city and find Christians that recognize me by the anointing rather than my face. But we take those things for granted because we live such a blessed life. But this man, this young man, had all of these senses robbed from him when he was beaten to his skull. And his spirit knew that if he survived, he would not have five senses like you and I have. How many of you have ever heard the the saying, if you lose your eyes, your ears, the sense of hearing kind of picks up for it, gets better. People that are blind hear more than people that can see. Because the people that can see have no need to concentrate that much on hearing. This is what I believe. That it is possible for a Christian to lose, walk away, ignore five natural senses in order for five spiritual senses to awaken and begin to sense the presence and the power and the workings of Almighty God. That's what I believe. And it was illustrated to me in real time, face to face, with a young man who five years before wasn't expected to live or have his five senses would be nothing but a vegetable. But still had such a keen recognition that when I touched him and began to pray, he recognized that anointing that had touched him five years before. God wants to bring us to a place of knowing him, sensing him. That means we'll tell when he walks into the room. I'll tell you, Cindy and I are on a quest for real church. Because God told me we'd find it. He told me, you will find real people who really love me. And you have not experienced real church yet. Y'all, there's a, there's a challenge. There's a, and there's a motivation. That God's got a people on this planet that will know His presence. Sense His power. Trust His word. Live in total dependency on Him. My life will never be the same because of Clinton Kakakiash who illustrated to me you can recognize the anointing of God. We can be known by anointing not just by face not just by shape. We can walk and live in a realm with God where we start recognizing the things that really matter. Hallelujah. How many of you today, and this is, this is probably a very, very good day to be exposed to this and to make a decision. It's got the world around us in a panic. How many of us are willing to live, to walk, to talk, to act upon a realm that is greater than the Realm. The 
of God. I want to do some music. Come on and do a do a little music. I, I want us to, if we can. I, I know I've, I've gone a little over twelve. I want us. First of all, I want you to stand all over the house. Second of all, I want you to just open yourself to the Holy Spirit and to the presence of God. He's here. I want you to open yourself so much to it that I really would like for you to allow yourself to even wander out, wander away from where you're standing. In other words, nothing holding you, no connections whatsoever. You're free. You're in neutral. The Holy Ghost can push you in a direction He wants to push you. He can lead you. Just even be so yielded to the point that just let yourself go. You know, when I'm praying so many times, I'm not deliberately wanting to get anywhere, but I just start moving. I just start walking. I just start drifting in the Spirit. Let Just let the Holy Spirit. Just let the Holy Spirit. I tell you, I believe that God wants to lead His people that way. I believe He wants to just... He wants to take you out and spend a little time with you. He just wants to... You know, I want Him to have His way. Because this is His house. He should have a right to do whatever He wants in His house. So just close your eyes and say, Lord, I'm here. I'm here. And I'm yours. <laughs>